Welcome to the Cumberland River Compact's River Talks podcast. In each episode of River Talks, we explore a new topic related to the health, enjoyment, and protection of the Cumberland River Basin's water, people, and special places. We sit down with experts, artists, researchers, professionals, and more to share their knowledge and experiences. I'm Katherine Price, your River Talks host. Be sure to subscribe to River Talks to be notified of every new episode. And if you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast. Today, we are bringing you some exciting news on the River Talks podcast. Hills Island in the Cumberland River was recently gifted from 10 Green Land Conservancy to the Cumberland River Compact. As Nashville continues to grow, properties along the banks of the Cumberland River have become coveted parcels of land. There are plans to dramatically change several areas of the riverfront in the coming years, but Hills Island will remain an untouched and stewarded parcel of land. Hills Island is a 20-acre island located in northeastern Davidson County along the Cumberland River, approximately 22 miles north of Nashville. The wooded island stretches nearly half a mile long, creating a channel on the western side of the island. The island attracts a variety of wildlife, but invasive species and litter continue to be an issue. Hills Island has been under the ownership of 10 Green Land Conservancy, formerly the Tennessee Parks and Greenways Foundation, since 2006. 10 Green is the oldest accredited statewide land conservancy in Tennessee and continues to help landowners and communities protect large, connected, natural areas that support diversity of life, inspire appreciation of nature, and spark action to protect the water we drink, the air we breathe, and the land that sustains us all. In the years following 10 Green's acquisition of the island, plans for the future of the island as an outdoor classroom and wilderness park were put to paper. These plans reflected both the values of keeping the land wild and rustic, while also providing a unique and responsibly managed educational venue for the community to build a stronger connection to the Cumberland River and the species and humans that rely on it. 10 Green approached the Cumberland River Compact with this shared vision that led to today's exciting announcement. This River Talks episode is just the start of our exploration of Hills Island. We look forward to learning more about the island's ecological importance and becoming deeply familiar with the island's historical significance. Today we'll hear from Karen May, Cumberland River Compact Board Chair, Tara Armstead, a landscape architect who helped with the conceptual plan for Hills Island, and Alice Hudson-Pell and Christy Henderson from 10 Green about this exciting announcement. To kick off our conversation about Hills Island, we spoke with Karen May, the current board chair of the Cumberland River Compact and longtime supporter of our work. She shares about her experience visiting the island and what Hills Island means for the mission and work of the compact. Karen, thank you for joining me today on the River Talks podcast. Excited to have you here to talk about Hills Island. And I know in January, you got a chance to go out to Hills Island and check it out in person. So I haven't been there. So tell me about your experience going out to Hills Island. What was it like? Okay, an overused word, but magical would describe the day and the experience. We went to a section of of the city I've never been to. I guess it's perhaps officially in Madison, Peeler Park Greenway. There's a, a an input there that we could get on a small skiff, and it was you know I was felt very privileged to be included. It was a small group, a small little boat that took us from this um, ramp around and up the river 
it was a you know cloudless day. The sun was out, very little wind. So for a January day on the river, we really had the best opportunity to see everything on the riverbanks as we went up. You can see, you know, the natural spaces and then where this is sort of industry has come in and development, which is interesting to see from the water perspective, as opposed to, you know, driving along or biking along where we do have access points along the river. So we, we sort of motored, puttered on up. The river was pretty calm that day. It was, as the island comes into view, we're watching turkeys fly. There are herons, rookeries. It was, it was impressive to see how much wildlife was actually just hanging out and uh, not, uh, you know, aware of the, you know, the barge traffic that's going by or, you know, what Nashville lives that we live um, mean in any way. So we circled the island once, and then we um, we landed on the a bank on the inside of the island and um, went up, wandered around. It was surprising how elevated it was. And also how how little trash we 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 expected to find a, a lot more of trash from the, from flooding and 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 there really wasn't that much, which was um, lovely. Turkeys again flew as we you know sort of stepped in. I believe in terms of the history, the island maybe was used for agriculture at one time. So the trees, a lot of the trees are not you know old growth trees, although there were a few that were were sizable. There's a lot of invasives, we could see that. And um, we didn't see evidence of, of deer that day. And, you know, we, we walked, really enjoyed just feeling like we were explorers, you know, which again, in an urban setting is an almost impossible feeling to, to have. So I feel like I have this picture in my head and having not been there, you know, your description helps me form that picture better. And so when you got to the island, were there things that surprised you that were just totally different than what you expected, kind of looking at it on an aerial map? I was surprised by the elevation, really. I, you know, I expected, you can see on the aerial map that there are some beachy areas, but when you, we had to hike up several feet to actually be on the main part of the island. So, you know, we were, we went with a sense of, well, what is it and what could we possibly do here if this island were something that were, were to become under the compact umbrella. And so immediately you think, hmm, this is a place that would offer an awful lot of educational opportunities because it's not gonna be flooded you know, on a regular basis. There was a, a fellow from Vanderbilt, a professor there who you know, was taking measurements with some fancy piece of equipment that he had, or maybe it was even his cell phone, I don't know, but he was impressed and they, you know, people with knowledge about different flood um, heights that had been reached we're able to say, well, this probably was underwater in the in the big flood. In fact, certainly underwater, but was not at this point or that point. And 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 the fact that there was very little trash on the island as well gave us an indication that it really doesn't flood as often because of that elevation. So that was a that was a big surprise, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a good surprise to not see as very much trash good. as you're expecting to see when you go somewhere. Very good surprise. And and it, and it's so pristine, really, because of that, you know, it, it feels like you're in a little forest and you're on the river. So it's, it's crazy. I love that. Well, I'm excited to get a chance to go out there and see it in person. And you talked a little bit about kind of, you know, opening your eyes to the potential on Hills Island. And so now that this island will be part of the compact and, you know, we can 
think long-term with how we want to use it. What is some of your vision for how the compact can use Hills Island? What's immediately uh, clear is that it is a, a fantastic classroom that far surpasses any sort of in-school um, experience, just to be out on that water, as opposed to next to the water, or driving over the water, to, to be on the water in, is, is a transformative experience. And then to see so close to, you know, as our city grows, so close to growth, that, that there is this natural pristine place, it's really important we keep it that way. And there are logistical issues because of the location getting there. I think that will actually help keep it pristine. We won't be able to build anything on the island. That's clear as well. So our job will be to enjoy it and maintain it in a, in a natural way and figure out how best to do that. And I, that's the, the next goal, I think, is to, to figure out how we can respect this land and maybe you know, remove some of those invasives and, and keep, keep it pristine for you know, birds and, and animals as needed. Because again, in an urban area, as the city is growing, the light is all around, it attracts the birds, but they need a place to stay that is safe for them. And this island will offer that sort of cover, which is, I, I just, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about, so. I love the way that you described coming into the island and seeing the turkeys and the heron. And that is such a magical experience. And to know that in some ways, because of how remote that island is, because we can't build buildings that people, hopefully for generations, will be able to have that same experience that that you had coming into it. And I think that is is really exciting. And then plus the research opportunities. There aren't, I think there's five or six islands on in the Cumberland and Davidson County. And so the research opportunities for how does this island's you know, geography work? How does the geology work? What happens when it floods? What does live on here? I mean, you know, islands are used for tons of ecology and evolutionary biology research. So it's exciting to think about the compact having something like that in their, um, in their tool belt for programs and opportunities. It is, and, and I do think we can be a catalyst in terms of, of bringing partners together to do that research, I, I, my understanding is, is most of the islands are privately owned. So this is, a, this is a unique opportunity that the compact has because we can, you know, just as we're known and one of our missions is to collaborate, I think this is that perfect opportunity. The professor that was with us, he had, you know, off the cuff, he had ideas about uh, water flow and, and the flooding. And, you know, I, I'm not a scientist, but I, I just, instinctively feel that this is is such a gift that we can give to others so it's the gift that keep giving how's that sound <laughs> yeah and and you're right i think the compact being a, a skilled at collaborating and bringing the right people together we're not an expert in all of those research areas but we can certainly help connect and use it as an asset for people you know wanting to do this type of research um, and so you've talked about it a little bit but you know when you all heard from the board perspective and that the compact was you know, potentially going to receive this island. What really excited you about the compact helping to conserve this island here in the Cumberland? I guess I would have to say as, as part of um, our mission in terms of, of keeping water clean and available to the millions of people and species that live in the Cumberland River Basin, this, this is an example of actually what what that is, you know, th this is it. This is representative of, of why we're here. And uh, I, I think it, it will be a very powerful tool for us to 
get people out there so they can witness it as well. It's it's one thing to, to see, you know, a picture of a bird. It's another thing to watch it take flight out of out of its nest. It's it's one thing to you know watch the river roll by from the pedestrian bridge, say downtown. It's another thing to be on the water and to see how you know we navigate that what that means you know the water here is is a critical resource for survival but it's also a critical resource for transportation you know so you've got barges going up and down the river how does that work how do we all live together i, I feel like that's the lesson of the compact because we are again collaborative we try to bring parties together to teach and and if we don't teach them I don't think they'll appreciate the next gen generations to come, what we have and what we have to preserve. So this, again, is the perfect little plot for us to do that, I feel. Absolutely, 100% agree with that. And I think if anything, it's exciting to think about all the opportunities. It's also a little overwhelming when you think about all the things that could be done, but man, just the fact that there's gonna be never ending opportunity on Hills Island for so many different types of projects that connect with our work is really exciting, so. I would love for anybody listening to have the opportunity that I had, and I hope that will be the case very soon. So um, thank you for supporting the compact. It's just a thrill to be able to um, say that the compact now has an island. <laughs> yeah. Stay tuned for boating opportunities to get out there and explore. Yes. They're and in, thank, you, in thank you to, to 10 Green for doing this. This has just been just a lovely experience and, and they are an, an unbelievably um, generous organization to do this. Thanks to Karin May for joining us to share about her experience visiting the island and her vision for it. The future vision of Hills Island is something that has been in discussion for a while. When 10 Green first acquired the island, a visioning process took place to understand how the island could be used. Tara Armstead, a local landscape architect, led this process to create a conceptual plan for Hills Island. Tara is an expert in exploring how public spaces can be used to best connect people to nature. She's done master planning work with Metro Parks and even some projects you might be familiar with, like the Teaching Pond at Warner Parks or the Nature Play Area at Shelby Bottoms. The vision she put forth was instrumental in how the compact envisions using the land. We sat down to talk with Tara about her experience with Hills Island and what she sees as the vision for the future. Tell me about your experiences when you were visiting the island and um, learning about it there. When I was asked to go visit the island, uh, and it was, oh gosh, seven years ago, uh, we went by boat. My experience, I believe we went upstream, we put in and then we went upstream and uh, what I remember and love about Hills Island is uh, just its wildness. It feels, and I think there's a lot to be said for wildness. Uh, what is that? You know, how is that different from uh, how we recreate or how we experience uh, something? So let's see, I remember walking the island. There are quite a few, or there were quite a few invasives there's this thinking of, gosh, you're, uh, we found a, I think we found a pawpaw patch, maybe a native citrus. That was pretty fun. But I also think uh, it's rare when you are on an island and you're in water, you're surrounded by water. So there's a huge respect for it. It was moving pretty quickly that day. And you could see where the water could, you know, come up and go down. But I think, uh, to me, I always think of 
uh, of land is oftentimes as being kind of a cohesive piece between buildings. It's like, how do we connect? Well, water is such a beautiful example of how we can connect different spaces. And I know we have greenways, but I hope that we will have blue ways. Uh, and we probably do, and I don't even know about all of them, but I think that's, um, you know, they say blue is the new green. I see, uh, I, I believe in that, you know, in some ways. So you are surrounded by water with a respect for water and yet realizing that it's moving uh, through and it has that ability to connect us. And I think too, looking on a map and realizing uh, Hills Island, uh, it's near Stones Bend and Peeler Park and Shelby and just starting to think about how uh, we best connect with other efforts and other things going on in some of these um, other public places. I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, a blue way and how do they connect? And then also you pull in one side of the island and I believe it, it, it it's calmer. It's almost like you're pulling into an eddy and then the other side, the river's moving, you know, the Cumberland's moving. So that felt nice too, as far as how uh, you might interact with water would be very different, but um, that area that you kind of come around the side of the island where you're almost eddying and it's it's quieter um, felt like a very good launch place. So it's amazing how different that connection to water can be on an island versus standing on the bank of the river and looking at the stream. I mean, it you're, you're more in it, you're surrounding you on all sides, you have sort of the dynamic flow of it. And that experience of, of being on that island, I think is so unique and something that, you know, if it can change your viewpoint of, of water, someone who's already very connected, I think it's an awesome opportunity for the general public. The history seems to be a bit of a mystery in terms of how it's been used. And so, what did you learn about the history of Hills Island in your research? You know, I did not take a deep enough, I would really have to get back into notes on that. I know, I remember there being a story, it was, I believe it was part of a plantation and there, and there was a story that uh, one of the enslaved people would go uh, stay on the island with his family and um, I'm sure there's some Native American part of it that would need a deeper dive. I think in almost any project we approach, looking at not only your, you know, the land, the water, but also what is the cultural history? You know, what, what stories are, are there? Where's the storytelling there? And I think that's actually kind of cool about Hills Island too, is there's this, we, we know these little bits of information, but really starting to build and interpret that history of the island, because it is part of the history of Nashville, but in its own unique, you know, unique way. So I, I'm personally excited about learning more and really trying to build that cultural history for the area. I agree. Actually, whatever happens on the island, uh, as far as uh, design wise, I hope it will be informed by some of the history, you know, the way in which things are built. Uh, do they look like some of the Native American structures or, you know, just, I think it, I think it just informs design. Absolutely. And so you worked on the, with 10 Green on a conceptual plan for Hills Island and sort of what it could be. And as part of this, I know you brought together a lot of different stakeholders because there's so many different opportunities on Hills Island. So there was 
you know, scout groups, there were government agencies, nonprofits. Um, what did sort of the perspectives of all of these people bring to the plan and how has that shaped the vision for what Hills Island can be? We did some, we had a workshop and I remember there being not only positive, but also some, a little bit of trepidation about risk involved and uh, also about what do we do with this property and it floods. So I think honestly, collaborating, making sure that we have the voices from um, like the Wildlife Federation, what are Boy Scouts? Uh, I think uh, the schools and probably most importantly, Metro Parks, uh, making sure that there is a use for that island and it is coordinated with uh, other things going on along the Cumberland River. But there really isn't a, a place that I can think of that is quite so untouched and wild and that there is a need for that in our Metro Nashville area. But how we approach that, you're going to get so many different opinions. Do you know? So I do think there was concern on um, if we if we take uh, students out there that they be of age to where they, uh, you know, are doing more um, exploring and research, but it's, it, there probably is uh, more age appropriate people on the island than, than uh, maybe others. I, I know uh, we wanted to keep it, I think there was a feeling of keeping it very, very rustic and very wild that uh, we want it to remain that way. And so I think that really led us to think really what might be most important to experience. I think what we heard was um, just this idea of adventure and exploration. So yeah, along with there are certain risks and who's doing what and who's responsible and how do you maintain, you hear all of that. But at the same time, I think there was an excitement about the idea of adventure and exploration. And so when you talk to the scouts, they love all the possibilities of what, you know, what could happen out there. Yeah. I think with Hills Island, especially this vision and dream is so close to so many people's hearts that are working on this, that it makes those hoops of the insurance and the liability, you know, all these things so worth it because it's just such an opportunity that we're just so thrilled about um, and it's not, yeah, and it's not only just the adventure and exploration and education, but also the opportunity again on water recreation. So kayaking, canoeing, again, back to those blue ways. You're hearing from people who are really interested in 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 that side of recreation as well. And that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I know in your concept plan and vision for the island, you know, that balance of keeping it wild, keeping it adventurous and having a little bit of structure. So I was looking at the plan and there were sort of areas for quiet discovery, water exploration, all of those different things. How do you kind of envision Hills Island being used in a way that balances that wild openness with maybe a little bit of structure to the island? Well, I think the island that's a great question, but I think the island in that water, uh, you know, you have water, sometimes it's flooded, whatever happens there, I love that it, it could probably be temporary architecture, if you will. So you come and you build a fort 
You know, as a child, you build a fort. Somebody adds on to that fort. Somebody else has a different idea. And then a storm comes and it washes away and it's temporary. So it's kind of the thinking is what is permanent and what is temporary? And I think uh, you all are the experts at programming, but um, I think having uh, some kind of a dock that might have to come and go, but bringing people to the island is a really fun idea. But when you're on the island, getting rid of the invasives, I think would be important. Let's see what happens there. But you know how we always commit to, oh, it ought to be this, this, and this. How about it just gets to be seasonally what it, it's more temporary buildings. I think that could be really fun. Uh, tree houses, uh, forts. And then at the same time, I do think there is this opportunity for the more uh, students are involved in the research or that side of it, the educational side of it, there's this opportunity to start to monitor and through monitoring water, we're able to quantify why it getting better or get healthier and cleaner water supports much more biodiverse habitat and fish and all that. I think letting students be a part of that monitoring would be really lovely. Absolutely. And your vision of the island, I feel like is this idea of leaning into the change that's going to happen on the island. And rather than fighting and saying, okay, well, we know it's going to flood, but how can we, you know, prevent it or still build something. And I feel like that's a great lesson for a lot of the ways that we interact with nature. We know it's going to change. We can lean into that change, use it to our advantage and build a space that is, you know, responsive to what's already happening naturally on that island. Exactly. Think of like, even if you went there and you spent the night and you're intense, then you fold up and you keep, you know, you go. And I believe when I'm thinking too about there are a couple of sycamore trees of great size, and that might be fun to build like a tree or some plat, you know, some viewing something. And maybe it's permanent, maybe not. Maybe it looks like a nest. Maybe it looks like a heron's nest. You know, I don't know, or an osprey's nest. But but I do agree with you that lean, just accept that change is a part of nature, and that's really beautiful. We don't go in and say, oh it should be this. We go in and say, oh, what do you see? What do you want to do? You know, we're, that's what we want. I'm assuming most of the visitors would be, you know, students or kayakers or whoever, be here for a while, be on the property, enjoy it. And then, yeah, it may be different next time you visit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It will be due to nature. If ever anything is changing, it's going to be an island. And you have had such a great vision for Hills Island since this connection with 10 Green. And so we, you know, at the Compact, we have leaned on the work that you've done to kind of envision what could be next for Hills Island. So what excites you about sort of the next steps for Hills Island? Next steps to me would be making sure, and again, uh, Cumberland River Compact does this so well, is collaborate with a good team, listen to lots of voices uh, as far as what the next steps are. I do love the idea of always, uh, I think we plan, 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 and then we launch and I, you know, an island, go on and launch, you know, get out there, explore it, see what's great, see what you discover, build some temporary structures, 
the more you're on it, the more you'll hear the voice of that place and you respect and know what to do. So I love the treehouse camps. I really love the idea of water um, exploration uh, just because I think there's such an opportunity with education there. I would love to see uh, what children or students feel like being on an island. I do love the idea of connecting Hills Island with all of the other locations along the Cumberland River that uh, are important. So it does become a blue way. So this, this water, this river becomes the connective tissue that ties these different places together. Absolutely, it's a great vision to, to end on. And I love the kind of um, contradictory notion of Hills Island as both an island that is you know, separate and hard to get to, and then also so close to these other green spaces oh. and so interconnected. And I think that dichotomy is really fascinating to kind of explore and how we view it and, and how we design around the island. Yeah, and I love your idea of embracing change because I think it really leads us to design different, listen closely to what nature's telling us. Mm -hmm. That's it, and then give it a go. Uh, I love the idea of embracing change. And I do love that it floods and I love that it's, you're surrounded by water. Well, we are very excited for the future of Hills Island and we appreciate your vision to help us get there along the way. Um, I'm so pleased Cumberland River Compact is going to be uh, leading the helm there because I do think it is a place where programming more than infrastructure, how you use the island, is probably more important just getting on the island, being a part of the island, recognizing it as a special place, connecting it to other parts of the Cumberland River is, um, is more important to me than, than all these infrastructure improvements. You know, make it safe. There'll always be a little risk, mm -hmm. but um, make it as safe as possible. And uh, there, I just think the opportunity for interacting Interactive learning is, is endless on that island. Thank you again to Tara for being a true visionary and dreamer when it comes to nature in Nashville, and especially for her insights on Hills Island. But none of this future visioning of Hills Island would be possible without Ten Green, who acquired the land and set in motion this powerful nonprofit partnership for conservation. First, to learn a bit more about Ten Green, here is Alice Hudson-Pell, Associate Director. Ten Green Land Conservancy, formerly the Tennessee Parks and Greenways Foundation, um, is a 501c3 accredited land trust that works statewide. Our mission is to conserve land where people and nature can thrive. And we, um, we actually have four key priority areas that we work in um, to conserve land. We look for large connected natural areas. We look for areas of critically biodiverse habitat. Um, we look for places we can protect wetlands and lands along rivers and streams, and also places for uh, public recreation and open space. Mikhail Houghton, Executive Director of the Compact, sat down with Alice, as well as Christy Henderson, the Director of Land Conservation at Ten Green, to learn more about their experiences with Hills Island. We're excited to have our friends from Ten Green today. Alice Hudson-Pell and uh, Christy Henderson. So welcome. Thank you for talking with us about Hills Island. Thank you Can for having we, us. 
Can you tell us um, how Tin Green acquired Hills Island? So we have owned the property since 2006. It was gifted to us by the Adventist Hospital, I believe, which was part of, I think, the Southern Adventist Church. Um, it kind of had a lot of weird, if you trace back the deed, there were there was some merger and some weird things as to um, who owned it in various times, but we received the land as a gift back when we were still the Tennessee Parks and Greenways Foundation. And in the past 15 years, we have just kind of owned it and hope to make something exciting work with the property and are really excited to partner with Cumberland River Compact to, to see what happens with it. We are excited too. What makes Hills Island unique? And uh, what, what did you all see as an ecological significance of the island? Yeah, so one of the things that, from my knowledge of Hills Island, is it's one of five islands in the Cumberland River that, in Davidson County. So my understanding is there's five islands in Davidson County. Uh, Hills Island is one of the three largest. So Hills Island is owned by Ten Green. Um, there's another island, I think, called Gowers Island that's privately owned. And then there's a third island of similar size that's owned by the Corps. And so in 2006, we were really excited about the prospect of owning an island in the Cumberland River, having a, a vested interest in uh, Nashville, and especially close to the city of Madison. It's um, an area that's just kind of been underserved, and we really just liked having a, a piece of property really close to the city. And I think at the time it was probably our first acquisition of land we held for long-term in Nashville. And so that, that gave it a unique opportunity for us from just uh, communications and, and kind of outreach perspective to own that kind of actual tangible land in Nashville. And then just from the interesting aspects of biodiversity and, and islands in general. This is a small island. It is flooded frequently, so it's hard to say how biodiverse it is, but it provides a really unique opportunity to kind of look at how um, terrestrial habitats respond to kind of non-natural flooding from the, the dam being released and, and things like that. And so it really just was a a great opportunity for a pretty large piece of property in Nashville and then adding in the uniqueness of it being an island was just kind of hard to hard to pass on. You all talked about a green, a green belt, that, that this island would be part of the green belt. Could you all go into a little detail on that? Yes, so by that type of green belt, we were talking specifically about the, um, the tax reduction aspect of a forested green belt. So if you're an individual landowner, um, and you own between 15 acres and 1500 acres, you can submit an application to the state of Tennessee and or to your individual county where you own your land and uh, apply for a green belt tax reduction. So it's a property tax incentive. And the idea is that the land stays in forested habitat or farmland or open space. And so if we have the land in Greenbelt, and if we were to sell it to someone who took it out of Greenbelt, um, we would have to pay some rollback taxes because the, the idea is that you want to keep this land in conservation or farmland. And so it's a really cool um, tax incentive to kind of 
peatland, forested, or, or farmland or open space? So uh, we took a site visit um, to the island on January 20th, and we, um, we all got on a boat at Peeler Park. We took the boat upriver to the island, and um, it was cold, but it was a beautiful, beautiful day. And so we got to the island, and of course, we saw the blue herons um, in their nests. And then we got on the island, and we saw a lot of turkeys. So that was really fun for us. Uh, and the feeling, even though, you know, like you said, you're right there by Madison, you're in the middle of the city, but the feeling of being out on the water, and then you get on this island and um, you, you feel like you're a million miles away. Can you all talk about some of the plants and animals that um, would be living on the island? Sure. Um, so I actually went out there I want to say it was like November or December, and it was with um, one of our board members, Ryan Bailey, and I think his dad, and my executive director, Steve Law, I believe, and same thing, very, very cold boat ride to the island. I was not dressed appropriately. It was freezing, and kind of to your point of you feel like you're really separated from the city, we, Bert and Ryan, went up the up the island to explore and somehow we lost them on this little 16 acre island. Uh, we knew we were getting ready to leave and I'm just like traipsing up the island trying to, to catch up with them. And I don't know, you wouldn't think you could lose two people on a 16 acre island so badly, but I, it took, I think half an hour to finally find each other, which is just a really unique and great thing about the island. It, um, we haven't done biological inventories out there. And so I think there's a really great opportunity to really go out and do some citizen science or um, some kind of work to see what's out there. Because when I was there, we saw, I think we saw raccoon signs and I'm pretty sure I saw deer it footprints. And so things are obviously swimming across or getting onto the island in some way, because it's really not too far from the um, land side of Madison. But there's hickories and oaks. And like you said, there's herons out there. I've heard bald eagles fly in that general area. So I would not be surprised if there's a bald eagle nest at some point. It's just kind of that typical oak hickory dominated forest, which really supports a lot of different species. So when we started talking about Hills Island, when, when you all made us the very generous offer, one of our board members talked about one of the other islands um, in the Cheatham Reservoir area, uh, that it was home to albino deer. I wonder if you all have heard that. <laughs> haven't heard that. I, where I grew up in, in Jackson, um, there were albino squirrels. And so it's always exciting to see any of those kind of variant species, but I never saw any albino deer. But the fact that I lost Bert and Ryan, I am pretty confident I would never have even noticed them or found them. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you know the history of Hills Island and um, how it may have been used in the, the past? There are a lot of fables about this island, and there is a particular one about a man um, who was a slave named Guinea George, who would have been um, um, 
a first generation um, slave family member of his family. Legend says that he was a pretty mean guy and that the Hill family who owned Hills Island, this is a part of their plantation, we just let him have that island to be on. There's a lot of stories that we have, but none of them have been verified. So um, there, it, it could be possible that it was on this island. It's possible it was on another island. We're not entirely sure. Um, after that, I believe the Seventh-day Adventist church system owned the island while they were building out Madison and the hospital systems there. Sounds like a good research project for somebody. I also think the there was a man, I can't think of his first name, but the Parmalee, I believe his was his last name, but he is an architect in the Madison County area that has some, um, I think there's a, maybe a historic registered house there that he was an architect for. And somewhere in the 1930s, if I remember correctly, I think he was one of the owners. Um, I know I, I looked at our deed the other day just to try to remember the the ownerships knew it was either the 30s or the 60s but I think it was like 1931 that he owned the land the island and some of the actual land itself. It would be interesting to look at the geography of the island before the dams were built too to to consider some of that. The last question we have um, is why do you all think Hills Island is important to conserve? I mean, I, I think that Hills Island really offers um, something that we don't come across often, a, uh, a nonprofit owned island where you can potentially bring people out to maybe do some citizen science or just enjoy the property. We, If you're a pretty strong and avid kayaker, you could put in at um, Peeler Park and it's a great little stop for um, a, not that you would want to do this, but maybe camping or picnicking or just, just quiet enjoyment for a little bit before you keep moving along. I do want to stress that you want to be a good kayaker because that water's pretty fast moving. We'd love to see something impactful uh, happen with Hills Island and I think it really gives an opportunity for kids and young adults and, and people to really get excited about something. I remember when I was a kid and I don't think I could have been more excited about a piece of property than getting to go tromp around an island. Um, that's just really fun and enjoyable and you could do some really nice things with cover boards and different things like that if it's not going to flood and go out and just kind of see what happens and what's under there or watch um, how an island responds to changing water and things like that, especially in a time with rising rising water levels and climate change. It's just an, it gives an interesting opportunity that um, there aren't a lot of in Nashville. I'll also echo what Christy's saying in that we, I think everyone listening to this podcast and everyone we're chatting with today understands that the Cumberland River is so incredibly important um, from biodiversity standpoint, from um, providing water sources to Nashvilleians and beyond. And so anything we can do, not only to conserve any of the banks along the river to help protect its natural assets, but then the opportunity to use this island as an educational place where we can take future Nashvilleians, um, future conservationists out to inspire them to protect our waters is one of the most important things that we could possibly do. 
Yeah, well said. Thank you. Uh, we we're really excited. I know our board is going to take the the next year or so to um, work through programming ideas, but definitely at the forefront of the compacts um, thinking is to bring to use it as an educational sort of experiential learning laboratory, and um, we're just really grateful that Ten Green thought of the Cumberland River Compact as, as you were um, figuring out uh, what to do with it, with the island. Well, I, I would love to just thank you guys again for being willing to be part of this project. It's, um, it's something that I know was close to our founder, Kathleen Williams' heart, and I think you guys are really kind of taking it to the next step that we always hoped it could potentially become. And it's just something that our organization didn't have the, the main focus to really grow it the way we would have liked to, but it's that's why we have partners like you guys, um, because you can do so much more together. And we're just so thankful that you're ready to and willing to partner with us on this project. I remember uh, after the first conversation, Christy, with you and the 10 Green Executive Director, Steve Law, and I shared the news with my board and, and the board was so excited that somebody was offering us an island in the Cumberland River. And they thought, oh my gosh, how appropriate that the Cumberland River Compact actually owns an island in the Cumberland River. So we, uh, as we work through all the sort of details of the, the transfer, I know we like to hold on to that, that initial excitement and um, just feeling of gratitude that, that you all would reach out to us with it. Thank you to all of today's guests who shared their vision and commitment to Hills Island. The Compact is deeply appreciative of 10 Green Land Conservancy and their gift of Hills Island. We are excited to explore future opportunities with Hills Island, and stay tuned to come along with us.